Mac Folklore Radio, read by Derek. Plan B, Mac User January 1997, by Henry Bortman and Jeff Petelkow. With the future of the Mac OS more in doubt than ever, can a Macintosh-savvy BOS offer users the power they've been hoping for? Apple is in trouble. After slipping the schedule on Copeland, its much bollyhooed next-generation operating system, by nearly two years, the company has now cancelled the project entirely. It's bad enough that Apple was beaten to the punch twice by Microsoft, first with Windows 95, and more recently with Windows NT4. Now it has B Incorporated, led by former Apple technology head honcho Jean-Louis Gasset, nipping at its heels as well. B is developing from scratch a thoroughly modern operating system that, like the Mac OS, runs on PowerPC processors. Unlike the Mac OS, however, the BOS demonstrates just how powerful PowerPC processors really are. On identical hardware, B has ported its operating system to run on Power Macs, the BOS leaves the Mac OS in the dust. To add to the pressure on Apple, Power Computing has signed an exclusive agreement with B to bundle the BOS for Power Mac with its clones. The implications of this move are staggering. It is only in the last couple of years that Apple has allowed other vendors to clone the Mac, and customers have had a choice of companies to purchase Mac hardware from. Now with the advent of the BOS, Mac users will also have an alternative operating system to run. In fact, according to published reports, Apple is seriously considering, as one option for solving its current OS dilemma, adopting the BOS as the foundation of a future version of the Mac OS. So just what is the BOS, and why all the hoopla? To find out, we hauled a couple of B-Boxes, B-Box is B's name for its proprietary multiprocessor computers, along with an alpha version of the BOS for Power Mac, into our labs, and ran the new OS through its paces. What we found is detailed in this exclusive report on what just might become Plan B for the Mac. Going from Mac to B. Apple's announcement earlier this year that it was scrapping its plans for Copeland was a sobering signal that macOS development was in serious disarray. Copeland was to have been the first stepping stone on the path to a truly modern macOS. The end point on that path was supposed to be a version of the macOS codenamed Gershwin. Gershwin was originally scheduled for release by the end of 1996. Needless to say, that's unlikely to happen now. All the company will say publicly is that it will ship updates to System 7 twice a year, with bits and pieces of new functionality added over time. In the absence of a formal plan for modernizing the Mac OS, the rumor mills have been abuzz with talk of the company going outside to solve the problem. A few brave souls have even suggested that Apple might put its look and feel on top of Windows NT. Another rumor suggests a possible technology merger between the Mac OS and B's object-oriented Multimedia Studly operating system. Although Apple has offered no comment on B rumors, the prospects are intriguing. Such a move might provide a much faster track to a modern Mac operating system. To understand what all the excitement was about, we spent countless hours at B's facilities grilling Gasset and his small squad of brilliant engineers many of whom got their start writing OS code at Apple, on the underlying architecture that makes the BOS so powerful.
Take one look at the BOS and you'll be stunned. It's amazing to see a BOS system simultaneously play multiple QuickTime movies and an audio file, serve and browse web pages, and render 3D animation all in real time. Don't try this on a Mac. On the Mac, if you hold the mouse button down on the menu bar, your whole Mac will essentially go to sleep until you release the mouse button. This is true for any Mac, whether it has one, two, or four processors. It doesn't matter how fast those processors are either. They could be running at a thousand megahertz and your Mac would still grind to a halt. After we'd pounded on our B-boxes and B-powered Macs for a few weeks, going back to the Mac OS, even on powerful Macs, was painful. The reason? The BOS implements precisely those modern operating system technologies that are missing from System 7 and whose absence holds the Mac back. Be stable. The two most important hallmarks of a modern OS are stability and performance. We'll examine stability first. A well-architected system rarely crashes. What makes an OS stable? Protected memory, virtual memory, and object-oriented design. The BOS implements all three. You could argue that just the first of those three make an inherent contribution to stability, but we'll overlook that for the moment. In an operating system with protected memory, such as the BOS, each application runs in its own memory space, which can't be written to by other applications. If one application tries to access another's memory space, the BOS terminates the offending application without bringing down any other application or OS process. Memory protection is also provided in Windows NT. In fact, it considers the ability of any application to crash the operating system a bug. However, in Apple's System 7, there is no memory protection. Applications and extensions are free to stomp on other applications at will. When an application writes to an inappropriate memory address, you usually have to reboot your entire system and relaunch all the applications you had open. Shades of Basil Gangster's analysis of AUX's Macintosh compatibility environment. See the MFR episode, Basil Gangster, AUX, The Long View, from September 2023 for more on that. Copeland would have provided protected memory for server tasks. That's the term Apple used to describe many parts of the OS and some applications or portions of applications. In order to qualify as a server task, an OS or application function cannot access the Macintosh user interface toolbox. Examples of server tasks under Copeland included the Mac file system, although not the finder, and a Photoshop filter operation, although not the redrawing of the results of the filter to the screen. The toolbox and all applications that have user interfaces, in other words, everything that users interact with directly, would have run together in a single shared memory space. Within this shared space, applications would have interacted pretty much as they do in System 7. Any application that crashed would have been just as likely to take down the whole Mac user environment as it is today. Server tasks, which would have included much of the nuts and bolts of the Mac OS, would have kept running. The net effect? Your Mac would still have crashed, but it would have taken less time to reboot because you wouldn't have needed to restart the whole operating system. Virtual Memory the BOS and Windows NT both support a true virtual memory system. Copeland was to have one as well, 
A virtual memory system provides an application with as much memory as it needs, on the fly, first by parceling out RAM, and then by using space on a hard disk as additional RAM. In a virtual memory system, memory is divided into small sections called pages. The most recently used pages are kept in physical RAM, where the processor has rapid access to them. Less recently used pages are stored on the hard disk, ready to be reloaded into physical RAM as needed. On a true virtual memory system, you don't have to specify ahead of time how much memory you want. The OS automatically assigns virtual RAM to an application whenever it needs it. System 7 has a virtual memory system, but it's limited. Its swap file, the virtual RAM space on the hard disk, is a fixed size. To change it, you have to reboot. And you must tell the OS ahead of time how much memory to allocate to each application. Be fast. Modern operating systems use a mechanism called preemptive multitasking to efficiently allocate processor time among multiple applications and OS services. The BOS and Windows NT are both preemptively multitasked. In both operating systems, a low-level task manager called a kernel schedules tasks in round-robin fashion according to their priority. Each task is allowed access to the processor for only a fraction of a second, called a time slice, which in the BOS is only three thousandths of a second. Preemptive multitasking is what makes it possible for a BOS system to perform multiple complex tasks simultaneously. The Mac OS, on the other hand, uses a scheme that Apple has dubbed cooperative multitasking. For years, Apple went to great lengths to convince customers that cooperative multitasking was actually better than preemptive multitasking. Remember, it was a single-tasking OS that allowed Bill Warner and his team to port the Avid video editing system to the Macintosh 2, yielding better performance than the expensive Apollo workstations they had been using. Under the cooperative approach, each application can keep control of the processor for as long as it wants. As a result, an email client can lock up your Mac for minutes at a time, allowing no other work to go on while it sends a file to the server. What's frustrating about this approach is that most applications don't keep the processor busy the whole time they have control of it. During these precious fractions of a second, other applications could be using the processor to get work done. Under Copeland, preemptive multitasking would have been available only to server tasks. The reason for this limitation lies in another modern OS feature, reentrancy. Reentrancy allows the same toolbox code to be shared by many tasks simultaneously. The Copeland toolbox would not have been reentrant. If, for example, one application requested the Copeland toolbox to create a new window on the screen, but was preempted by another app also requesting a new window, the toolbox would get confused, causing the system to crash. In a preemptively multitasked system, such overlapping calls are common. Under Copeland, faceless parts of the Macintosh toolbox, such as the file system and networking, were supposed to be reentrant. However, without a reentrant user interface toolbox, applications that require a user interface, and most do, would have continued to be cooperatively scheduled, much as 16 bit Windows applications are under Windows NT. Apple didn't plan to introduce a reentrant user interface toolbox until Gershwin. Be faster. 
Part of what makes the BOS snappy when handling multimedia tasks is its emphasis on multi-threading. Threads are parts of programs that independently manage individual streams of computation or communication with other programs. That's a very muddy explanation in my opinion. The description that worked best for me was, multi-threading is multitasking inside a single program or process. For example, in Photoshop, scrolling around a large image while a filter runs in the background. If this sounds like multitasking utopia, it isn't. Concurrent programming is hard. Thread synchronization problems, deadlocks, race conditions, and so on. Fun stuff. BOS enables applications to generate threads even when programmers have done nothing explicit to set the threads up. For example, if you play a video on a BOS system, the OS generates two threads. One, for the video player, decompresses the video frame by frame, and the other, in the BOS application server code, manages drawing those frames in the window on the screen. The short duration of the time slice allotted to each thread, combined with the high priority given to multimedia threads, is what makes the BOS so good at doing lots of multimedia tasks simultaneously. System 7.5 supports multiprocessing, but it's not symmetric. One processor can't be working on a Photoshop filter, while another is sending an email over the network. And even this limited multiprocessing must be explicitly supported by the application. Be good enough? One of the BOS's most compelling features is an integrated database that is used extensively within the operating system. As a result, B's query utility works almost instantaneously when searching for files. B also uses the database to provide a directory service called People. This feature, in turn, is integrated with B's internet mail application, Bmail. To address an email message, you need only drag People icons to the messaging window's address fields. Both People information and other OS-managed data can be utilized by application developers. This database was designed by Cyril Murillon and Dominic Giampiolo. Dominic also worked at Silicon Graphics and is currently at Apple, where he was the architect for Spotlight and APFS. Beyond the database and its multitude of modern OS features, the BOS provides little of the elegance the Mac OS is famous for. The Macintosh as we know it today is not so much an operating system as it is a collection of great software technology. What makes the Mac OS great are APIs such as QuickTime, QuickTime VR, QuickDraw 3D, WorldScript, and ColorSync. It is these technologies, along with the advantages of its user interface, that continue to make the Mac the platform of choice for publishing, multimedia authoring, and web content creation. Such advantages might once have been enough to maintain the Mac's dominance in its stronghold markets, but there is a new challenger to that dominance. Windows NT4 has finally shipped, and the word on the street is that it's stable and fast. Finally, the PC marketplace has an operating system that can turbocharge key applications, such as Adobe Photoshop, that content creators have historically bought Macintoshes to run. True, Windows NT's user interface and APIs aren't as elegant, extensive, or powerful as the Macs. However, many people are willing to trade these things for stability and performance. Weary of Type 11 errors, users are starting to take notice of headlines that say things about NT4 such as Never Reboot Again. NT is not the only thorn in the macOS side. 
With or without Apple's blessing, B is moving forward with its own plans to support its OS on Power Macs and Mac OS clones. Come January, B will simultaneously come out with its developer release 9 for B-Box hardware and most Power Macs and Mac clones. Power Computing will begin shipping the BOS with most of its systems, enabling users to test drive it. Once thousands see how much power is locked inside their Macs, the cry for Apple to modernize the Mac OS will be deafening. B is also investigating ways to enable users to run existing Mac applications on the BOS. Most of these methods involve some kind of virtual machine, an emulated Mac environment that runs within the BOS. In many ways, it's similar to how Apple planned to support Mac apps under Copeland. But whereas Copeland would have offered developers little in the way of advanced OS features, the BOS offers all the advantages of a modern operating system. Even more interesting is the possibility that the BOS could be the ticket to the Mac's future success. It's no secret that B is open to the possibility of a merger of the Mac OS's APIs with B's solid OS foundation, but that will require Apple to pony up to the BOS bar. Sidebar, the verdict. So here we are, two months after the passage of Copeland and Gershwin into the dustbin of history without a viable Mac OS roadmap. There's a good reason for this. With Gershwin, Apple had the right idea a truly modern, from-scratch OS that still carried with it the things that make the Macintosh experience so great, but that did not shackle itself by trying to be compatible with the Mac OS. Unfortunately, Apple put all its resources into making Copeland happen, an OS effort that attempted to keep huge parts of the archaic Mac OS intact while trying to provide some modernization. Quote from Nitin Ganatra, who worked in Apple Developer Technical Support in the 1990s, on the Debug podcast. You know, where in the past, Apple had really strived for binary compatibility, you know, and we needed to keep these things like Microsoft Word 5.0 limping along on Mac OS right. 8.0 or, or things like that. It was just completely forbidden. Like, why would you even consider breaking Super Boomerang? Oh, no, we're going to wait as long as we need to to make this effed up version of Super Boomerang limp along on Mac OS 8.5. <laughs> You really you know, hate Super Boomerang. <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> but, but mostly because I know what the traps that they've Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was this thing called Copeland, and it sounded like Apple had made all these promises to these companies that, yes, your existing binaries are going to continue to work, and we're going to make sure that they work really well, and, you know, you don't have anything to worry about. But one of the things, you know, we would comment on is, how can you possibly let product marketing say that system extensions are supposed to work on Copeland? How can you build a modern right. operating system and make it so that system extensions will work? And yes, I understand you can be very clever about this and have a, a quote unquote trap table and detect when people are patching things and come up with this very sophisticated way of extending things and what have you. But yeah. really, is that is that really viable? <laughs> you know, this kind of new dynamic around Mac OS 8 and 8.5, where we were now willing to push back on developers, right? And we were willing yeah. to say hey, you, no, you need to go and fix your app too, or you need to fix your extension. And, and being able to push back on a developer and saying, hey, you've been getting lucky for years. Maybe you should fix your crap now. The result? It didn't work. It's hard to make dumb ideas work. And Apple has yet to articulate a new strategy because it's also hard to replace a dumb idea you've labored so hard to make into a smart one. The BOS is not dumb. It's what a 90s operating system should look like. 
on identical hardware, it can outperform the macOS many times over. However, before you take all your macOS logo wear and pencil in B, you should know that the BOS is still in its infancy. The list of capabilities missing from the BOS is long. QuickTime, QuickDraw 3D, QuickTime VR, QuickTime Conferencing, Macintosh Drag and Drop, ColorSync, QuickDraw GX, OpenDoc, Plug and Play Hardware Networking, not to mention the Macintosh interface itself. The problem is, all that brilliant technology is choking on the Mac's antiquated OS foundation. The merger of the BOS and the Mac sounds pretty compelling to us. So if Apple's got a better idea for modernizing the Mac OS before the new millennium, we would love to hear it. Otherwise, the BOS looks like the best path to keeping the Mac OS competitive and interesting well after 1999. Sidebar. What's hot? Astonishing speed. Running the BOS, you realize how fast PowerPC processors really are. Lightning fast queries. The BOS find command gives you nearly instantaneous results, which update dynamically. Multiple simultaneous file copying. You can initiate multiple file copies, launch applications, and empty the trash all at once. Non-modal open and save dialog boxes. An open or save dialog box is just another window. Context-sensitive menus. A promised feature of macOS 8, context-sensitive menus are already built into the BOS. Extensive keyboard control. Any menu can be invoked from the keyboard, and most menu items have shortcuts. The ability to minimize windows. If you double-click on a Windows tab, the window will collapse and only the tab remains visible. Built-in email capabilities. What's not? No icons on the desktop. Although the BOS has a dock where you can park icons, you can't put files on the desktop. No color management. The BOS lack of color management is going to make winning over prepress professionals hard. Limited printer support. Developer release 8 of the BOS for Mac doesn't support printing. That will change by the time DR9 ships, but it's not clear how soon robust drivers will be available. The situation never really improved that much, and a third party had to come to B's rescue with the B Inkjet driver support package. No easy to use file sharing. Okay, so the Mac's file sharing isn't all that easy to use, but it sure beats typing in arcane Unix commands. No hierarchical list view. The only way to see what's inside a folder is to double click on it. Shades of System 6. No help system, and none on the drawing board. Limited font support. At present, the BOS supports only true type fonts. Postscript Type 1 support is high on the to-do list. No applications. No doubt this state of affairs will change. How quickly is the question. Henry Bortman is Mac user's technical director and former chief Mac OS advocate. Jeff Petelkow is director of Mac user labs and wishes he could figure out how to get Excel running on his B-Box. The debug podcast. So Copeland collapses in around '96. Are, are you still in the Seven Group? And so, how did uh, how did you take the next acquisition news? You know, there were some people who were pushing really hard to use the NT kernel as well. Yeah. I had played with BOS a little bit, but it seemed like there were some pretty big holes there, and it really yeah. felt like there was more sizzle than steak. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, like I'm you can attach a Mac video onto a cube, but you couldn't print, really. Exactly. <laughs> or or <laughs> power management or security. There was no real, as far as I can tell, no internationalization story, no localization story. You know, or most single user. Single user, too. So, yeah. Also, uh, B also had a C API, which at the time was exciting, but which <laughs> kind of the fragile base class thing screwed them a little. Look in the show notes for a link to a BOS demonstration video hosted by various employees of B Incorporated. Hi, I'm Scott Patterson, Director of Marketing here at B Incorporated. We're utilizing a dual Pentium 2 system running at 266 megahertz. We'll make our Mandelbrot a little smaller and iterate down on that. We'll bring up a couple movies as well. Let's also bring up a game. And as that comes up, you'll notice on our CPU monitor that we're at just about 100% utilization. The BOS has a nice long degradation curve, so I can go out even past 100%. Let's bring up some 3D graphics and map an image on top of it. So even though we're out past 100%, I'll turn off one of the processors, effectively having the performance of this machine. And what you'll notice is applications don't come to a screeching halt. Our video source continues to play at full 30 frames a second. It's starting to get a little bit staggered, but that's because we do intelligent prioritization of threads. As soon as I turn this processor back on, you'll notice that the pulse animation speeds up again. Including Jean-Louis Gasset. So if you want a soundbite to summarize what we're trying to accomplish, we're trying to become the Linux of audio and video applications. Also take note of the opening music. First, lyrics are always open to interpretation, but back in 1998, their meaning was quite clear, at least to me. Corporate crimes alluded to the pending antitrust suit against Microsoft, and rebooting a hundred times, well, most people were still on Windows 95 back then. Even if you weren't crashing, you still had to reboot after installing a driver, or even just a program in order to, actually I have no idea why, to reload the registry, and second, BOS old-timers might recognize the garage rock stylings of The Cotton Squares, a band composed entirely of engineers from B Incorporated, Baron Arnold, Doug Wright, Jeff Bush, and Ficus Kirkpatrick. Other favorites from The Cotton Squares include 5038, try writing that down and holding it up in a mirror, It makes me Standing in the Death Car. Standing in the Death Car said to my friend, No, this is the beginning, or this will be the end, because I'm afraid on a pole, on a paper, that's the end of the last time, the service was a 73. Whoa, dude. Um, relax, cool your jets. I used to work here, and the maintenance guy always forgets. Does he forget to fix the ride, or forget to fix the sign? Dude, don't be a pussy. He made me wait in line. Fine.
tragically and rather ironically, I don't think any of these songs were actually recorded on the BOS. No multi-track digital audio workstation software ever shipped, as far as I know, excluding the $25,000 hardware-based radar system from Otari here in Vancouver, British Columbia. Thanks for tuning in. You can find more stories or join the Very Quiet Discord server for this podcast at www.macfolkloreradio.com.